Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided here on the Life Coach Radio Network, which is brought to you by Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, speeches, and online period- periodicals. Excuse me. For all things Audible, head over to Audible.com. Head on over to Audible.com after the show this evening and hit the drop-down box and enter Life Coach Radio Network to receive a free 30-day trial of audible.com, the sponsor of our program and all the programs here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And welcome again to Undivided Episode number 35, believe it or not, Telling the Truth to Heal Yourself. And tonight, I'll be joined by special guest Barika Porter. Barika Porter here with me tonight. We are live at 7.01 here on the East Coast. I'm in New Jersey. Barika's in the Washington, D.C. area. We'll get her up here in a couple of minutes. And thank you for joining us to all uh, my Jewish listeners out there. Happy Hanukkah to you all. I know we're a couple days in. And the disclaimer for tonight's program before we get too far into the show. The views and opinions of tonight's episode, Undivided, episode number 35, Telling the Truth to Heal Yourself, with special guest Barika Porter, may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, Frank J. Maduri, my guest this evening, the aforementioned Barika Porter, and may not necessarily be the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. And now that we move forward from the disclaimer, welcome everyone to our program tonight, which I've been looking forward to for a long time. You know, my guests that I've been uh, talking about this program for a long time have been planning it. Self-honesty is the topic tonight, telling the truth to yourself. The definition of self-honesty is an act of courage requiring you to confront yourself with the whole you, with all the good and bad. We're also going to talk tonight about self-criticism versus self-honesty. Self-criticism really is more of an act of judgment. We'll get into that a little later. And the Billy Joel song, I was listening to the Billy Joel's uh, concert at Shea Stadium, the live play from Shea or last play from Shea. The Billy Joel song, Honesty, with the lyrics, you know, honesty is such a lonely word, but it's exactly what I expect from you. Well, we also need to expect it from ourselves. We have to face our fears and our shortcomings, and that's very countercultural. You know, to be true to yourself and to admit your faults, to become that vulnerable, to, to get to that place, excuse me, of vulnerability, is very much against what our culture would tell you to do. Our culture would tell you to be uh, strong and, you know, think of yourself as being the best and never admit when you've made a mistake or when you've uh, done something that has hurt another person. And self-honesty is more about, well, how am I presenting myself to the world, but also how am I with myself and my own skin? How do I move forward from past wounds and really heal so that I could grow relationships, I could heal other relationships, and I can present my best self out there? You know, the defense mechanism of deception or denial is something else we're going to talk about tonight. That leads to a lot of dishonesty with yourself. A lot of people are too critical of themselves. So we're going to talk about how that could be, in a sense, self-defeating. So my guest this evening is going to guide us through a lot of this is Barika Porter. And Barika is a professional coach, 
specializing in helping people uncover and develop action plans to support their goals, whether they're organizational, individual, or otherwise. Uh, she has a unique ability to understand the challenges that face senior leaders uh, because she's worked in that space. She uh, enjoys successfully communicating opportunities present within a challenging situation or set of situations and helping people think strategically on how to thrive and bloom within their circumstances. Barika specializes in encouraging and providing practical strategies for improving interpersonal relationships. She has 18 years of experience as a management consultant in both the private and public sector. She holds a bachelor's degree in English from the University of Virginia and enjoys spending time with her husband and three daughters. Barika Porter, I'm going to get you up now. Welcome to Undivided. Can you hear me? Hello? Okay, we seem to be having maybe a technical glitch here. I'm sorry, folks. I'm uh, trying to figure out what's going on. I'm running a test right now. Hello? Okay, we'll see if we can get Barika up in a moment. I'll continue here um, on with the uh, the program. Uh, and again, saying how, you know, she's worked in both the public and private sectors. She's worked with, you know, corporations, and that experience helps her in bringing technical expertise to manage people and processes and systems. Uh, she's considered an expert, you know, in many fields in the interpersonal communication realm, Uh and it was uh, a show that we've been planning for a long time. Uh, you know, when you think of self-honesty, you also think of, of that phrase of victim thinking. And that seems to come, you know, kind of hand in hand here a- as well. You know, you could get yourself when you're, you're that self-critical versus, uh, you know, it's kind of taking it to the extreme. That could be a real... Uh, uh, harbor some real sentiments of victim thinking, which then create other problems with energy and different energies. Uh, Barika, can you hear me? I'm seeing that maybe I get her back up here. Uh, see if maybe she could try calling back in. I'm very sorry for this. Try and get her back up here. Uh, again, I apologize for the uh, situation. It appears she's having trouble getting on. Uh, so we're going to roll through. Um, and being true to yourself, you know, admitting your faults, admitting those things that are problematic uh, can be very hard for people to do. But the other side of it is it opens so many new possibilities. Uh, it opens you up to so many new opportunities in life. It opens you up to growing relationships and healing relationships. And in so, you know, we hear, uh, we can heal the world. We can heal our own communities. And, you know, requiring you to, to do that, you're accepting both the good and the bad in your life, you know, to be able to heal and to love and to have impactful relationships requires an acknowledgement of that. You know, we have to start by acknowledging all of the things that make us 
uh, you know, who we are and looking at ourselves in the mirror, you know, there's a, a psychology today, I believe it was uh, where I saw that is, you know, the lion is looking in the, the reflection of a lion in the mirror and it's uh, a cat. Parika, can you hear me? Try and get her up here now. Hello? Can you hear me now? Hello? Hello? Good evening. Hey, I got you. Hey. I tell you, I have like a, everything set up here at my laptop and it's not working and I was on early. So sorry about that. I, I know, I know. I saw you on there too, but Hey, we'll roll through it. Welcome to undivided. Right. Thank you. I'm All so right. excited to be here. <laughs> excited to have you. I tried to roll through. That's probably going to be some a bad five minutes of live radio, but um, welcome to the show. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you great. Excellent. Thank you. And I know that's probably a little nerve-wracking for you. We'll um, try and roll through it. So I know you probably heard most of the intro. And I was just talking about there's a was an article, I think it was in Psychology Today, where you know, the, there's a mirror set up, and the reflection in the mirror is a lion, and on the other side it's a cat. So it's like the, the cat's, you know, thinks, you know, the lion thinks it's a cat, that it's a small thing instead of this, you know, king of the jungle type of thing and, and talking about self-honesty and, and how you may perceive yourself and, you know, moving forward there. So we're going to enter the part of the program uh, that's known as the divide. And it's a great segue because I was right at, at the first uh, kind of topic here is, you know, what makes it so difficult for most people to be honest with themselves Well, I think it really has to do with being open to being introspective. Um, I think so much of our lives are spent getting in line uh, with whatever the expectations that have been placed upon us or that we've taken on. And so oftentimes it's really hard to come to terms with something that may not align with that expectation. So people generally in my experience, um, hesitate when looking at themselves and trying to be honest about whether that's how they're feeling or what kind of work they're doing or relationships, you name it. It's really hard to be introspective and tell the truth about what's going on with you. That's true. I think uh, Americans in particular have a hard time being introspective. There's so much being thrown at us. You know, I remember going to college. I've shared on this program before I, I attended Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, and we had the Marist brothers, the Catholic Marist brothers, and a lot of them were either teachers or advisors or involved in some way. And um, I had a, a couple of teachers that were brothers by an advisor and a type of mentor that was a brother. And he'd always say, you have to allow yourself time for introspection. You have to allow yourself that time to kind of think inwardly about your own actions and, you know, how you're presenting yourself to the world. So why can we be honest with other people 
about the situations in their lives. You know, we're so quick to either judge them or point out Mm -hmm. that flaw in them. Why we we're so willing and so ready to be honest with other people. Oh, you should do this. You know, we hear that a lot or you should do that and not be honest with ourselves about our own situation. Well, I think that's easier, right? (laughs) It's much easier to see what's going on in other people's lives. Excuse me, um, as opposed to really looking at ourselves. And what I find to be most interesting is that most of the time, the thing that we see in other people, especially when we're being critical, is in fact a mirror reflecting back to us an area that either we're not happy with ourselves or something that requires us to look a little deeper and to try to ask ourselves what is really going on here. Um, I think specifically, you know, everybody's like really up in arms about politics in this day and age, right? But I feel like that is really a mirror of some of the things that are going on within our country and our culture um, that no one really wants to take ownership for. Yes, it's true. You know, there's a deeper issue. It speaks to something, you know, almost in a sociological you know, perspective, the person in the environment's perspective, it, it speaks to something deeper than just, you know, of the surface issue of I believe in this or that as far as politically. There's some undercurrents there that no one really wants to go there, essentially. So I tend yeah. to agree with that. And, the, and, and the, you know, we almost can't wrap our arms around that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to no, say, no, I fine. think there's an, an element of uh, fear, too, right? Because mm-hmm. if we take the ownership um, and bring it back internally rather than the external factors, then we might actually have to do something about it. It's easier to be critical of other people and say, oh, they should be doing this, they should be doing that, rather than asking the question, what should I be doing? How can I make this better? That's oftentimes a far more difficult question to ask ourselves and to be truthful about it because most people will say, oh, well, there's nothing I can do they, until they do X, Y, and Z. And that's not always accurate. Right, or, right, or that, oh, what I did, is, what I always do is right or what I always do is great, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I'm always writing and how I, you know, you know, that that self-righteousness that some of us, you know, carry with us into situations as well um, without oh, yeah. having that humility, which we talked about on our last show. Uh, we talked a lot about humility and the in the H factor and the Wall Street Journal article about the surveys to try and find leaders that have more humility and things of that nature. Um, good segue to the next question. Our society is divided along many lines. One of them being that fashion of people that thinks that self-honesty is, quote, unquote, a bunch of baloney. How would you respond to that sentiment? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say that's the first time I've heard that. (laughs) Um, I think think it's, again, really hard for people to be honest with themselves about their life and the circumstances that they find themselves in. Some of them are outside of their control. But I truly believe that at any given moment in our lives, we can choose to do something differently, you know, no matter what's handed to us. And I think that part is really a hard pill to swallow 
right? Because then we become responsible for our own lives. It's not um, social constructs or racial or gender or any of that stuff. We can choose, like, what we want our lives to look like, and that seems very difficult to do, especially when you are really just concerned about, like, making the ends meet, right? (laughs) There's not a whole lot of time to be introspective and, and think about steps are. But everybody kind of takes bathroom breaks, <laughs> you know, not to be graphic. But that's like five minutes that maybe you could sit there and think about, like, what is really going on with me? What do I want for my life? And just to start to try to incorporate that practice into your daily life. And it doesn't really matter what station in life you're in. We can all take time to sit back and think about how we're showing up in the world, how we would like to impact the world, and then what we need to do to maybe change or adjust to to realize those things. Yes, yes, excellent answer. Um, We're going to pause briefly. I know we were uh, sidetracked a couple minutes. I'm uh, I'm late on the 15, but that's all right. Uh, We're going to pause briefly at 7.18. Here on the East Undivided, episode 35, we'll be back in a moment for some upcoming show promotions here on the the Networks of Life Coach Radio, excuse me, Erica Wiederlight. That's Erica Wiederlight. Her new show comes your way. Next episode is Monday, December the 10th at 1130 a.m. Eastern Time over on the Life Coach chat channel. That will be a live show. Erica Wiederlight. Remember, she was uh, on for a long time, had a long-running series, took a hiatus, and has been back for about three or four episodes now. Uh, I lost track. Monday, December 10th is the next episode that comes your way, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, on the Life Coach chat channel. And give from the heart during this time of year as we approach the holidays. We're in Hanukkah, and we have Christmas and the other holidays coming up. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. That's Catholic Charities, 800 800- 919-9338, www.salvationarmyus.org. That's www.salvationarmyus.org. Enter your zip code to give in your local area or Google the poorest zip code in your state and donate to those who are in most desperate need. And we're back here on Undivided Episode number 35, Telling the Truth to Heal Yourself. Short break there. We're at 719 here on the East. I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. Marisa Porter with us tonight, and as we move forward, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, even taking that, we all have a few minutes during the day, and to go, I share a lot of stuff from my own life with the listeners, you know, in my own life, I have so much going on, as I think we all can share that sentiment, and bouncing between the different obligations and the different things going on. I've had such a, a crazy last five or six days that I couldn't sleep last night because it was like the first time that I've had in like a week to actually think. And right. my mind ended up <laughs> racing, right? And my mind ends up racing a hundred miles an hour, which hadn't happened to me in a really long time. Uh, I'm usually so exhausted that I ended up falling asleep. And last night I ended up being up for like three or four hours uh, thinking about all this different stuff that I hadn't even had time to even think about. So you raise that, and that's a really good point, is that, you know, you talk about people with, you know, lack of sleep and, 
and all kinds of issues that Americans typically have is because that's finally the time where you maybe allow yourself to look inward and to think about some of those things. Um, you may think about a relationship or a friendship. So you know, we all have that time. You know, my friend used to say, we all have five minutes. So, so many relationships, yeah. you know, either you're right, you know, their friendships or romantic partnerships, they fail because of that. They fail because of the lack of self-honesty. They fail because people are being introspective or maybe they're, if it's a romantic partnership or like a best friendship or something like that, they're so tied to the hip, quote unquote, and they're so enmeshed in the other person's life that they can't take a step back. So what conditions are needed to help better people, people better obtain, excuse me, that honest self-assessment, whether it's an individual, whether it's a, in a partnership? Well, it seems to me that most people get to a place of being introspective out of, unfortunately, hardship or something dramatic or drastic or feeling like they're at a crossroads. That really forces you to sit down, pause, and be like, what am I doing with my life? Um, And then I think once you've had one of those watershed moments, then you can then make a choice to begin to make this introspection a regular part of your your life. I know for myself, I found myself at a crossroads within my career where I just was not really enjoying it any longer. Um, I didn't know at the time that I was it was clear and I was showing up in a way that let everyone else around know that I wasn't really enjoying it. People in my family and friends, they knew that, but I thought I was still putting on a good face at work. Um, and it wasn't until someone said, you know, it doesn't seem like you really want to be here. And uh, I thought to myself, you are absolutely right. And I had been thinking about this, but again, when you're taking the time to be introspective, it's not enough to just think about it. Then you really need to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to continue to try to toe the party line and and put on a brave face and all the while be miserable on the inside? Or am I going to take some sort of action to kind of break this pattern and cycle within myself and do something radically different? And that's what I chose to do. Um, And I would say for myself most of my life I've been very practical and strategic in how I approach my life, but I got to a place where I was like, I don't think I can go another day or year doing this, doing the work that I was doing the way that I was doing it. Um, And so in that moment, I think, you know, as a result of going through the coaching training program, that was really the, the catalyst to get me to really do some of that internal work and realize that what I thought was happening to me wasn't really happening to me, number one, it was for me, and then secondly, that it wasn't so much that my job, you know, like the company had changed, but that I had changed. And so when I was able to be honest about that, it kind of took some of the pressure off of trying to fit in a place that no longer had room for me the way that I, that I am today. And the only way that I was really able to truly be honest about that outside of my family and friends was to have a boss say, hey, you know, it doesn't look like you really want to be here. Like, what's, what's going on? And being able to 
have the courage to have the honest conversation. Um, and it worked out better than what I would have anticipated. So um, I think it's it's about timing, right? Like you, you get the pressure and the squeeze, like, oh, I'm no longer fitting here anymore. And then that forces you to really look internally like, okay, well, what do I want to do next? Why am I no longer fitting here? And you start to do that work of uncovering what it is you're supposed to do next. And for me, uh, there were three things that helped me. It's, I think my relationship with God kind of showed me who I am. Therapist helped me kind of let go of some things um, that I picked up along the way, you know, that were kind of impeding my ability to move forward. And then a coach really pushed me, well, not even pushed me, but came alongside me and helped me have the the courage and the cheerleading that I needed to take the necessary next step. Thank you for sharing that, you know, and, and for sharing something from your own perspective uh, with the audience. I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, you had touched on that, you know, the crisis mode type of thinking. Um, my wife, I've discussed on the show before, had a background or has a background in social work and mm-hmm. will always talk about crisis intervention. And say, you know, if there if crisis didn't occur or crises didn't occur, you know, people wouldn't really make changes. Most people yeah. would not change what they do. You know, they keep. And when you think about it, it's true. Uh, a lot of us should kind of joke. She'll say, like myself and a couple of my friends were quote unquote robots. You know, we do the same kind <laughs> of thing. Like I'm very routine. You know, I get up, I do this, I go to the gym, I do that. You know, I have the same routine and it's very comforting to me, you know, and it's almost robotic. But, right. you know, when a crisis takes hold, then it's, uh-oh, what do I do now? It's like the robot, right. what do I do? Um, where <laughs> do I go now? You know, it is Wednesday and I do not know what to do. You know, so that whole thing, if compute, you like the right? <laughs> Yeah. Not compute, you know, fail, failure <laughs> to uh, connect, you know, failure to yeah. launch, basically. Uh, uh, <laughs> but without those crises that take place, we wouldn't make any changes in our lives. And then when there's a crisis, say, oh, man, this has to change or that has to change or I no longer have to do this because of X, Y, and Z because the variables have changed. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you touched on it you know, within your career. Um, and it's a good bridge to the to the next question. Um, but you touched on it, like career-wise, I think a lot about, you know, the work that we do as Americans, and we talked about it in the unemployment episode with Mark Fechner, uh, really defines who we are. You know, you go to a yeah. party, the first thing someone asks is, oh, what do you do? What do you, you know, do? It's, uh, right. what's, what do you do? You know, what's your line or whatever it is, you know? Um, it defines us to some degree, whether that's, you know, fair, fairly or unfairly, positive or negatively. And when you had shared that about, you know, your situation, maybe think of, I've had two situations like that in my own career that I want to share quickly. And I thought it was interesting, as you said, like, you know, in your situation, one, uh, one of those situations, I couldn't imagine being in the place anymore. Like you had said, I could not imagine, like I would think about the next month and be like, I can't imagine being here next month. Like that's how, you know, basically miserable I was doing it. And then the other one, I didn't realize the other job. I didn't realize how miserable I actually was in it until I was no longer in the job. And then I was like, wow, my life is so much better that I don't do that anymore. But when I was doing it, I was going through the motions. I was being the robot. I was, 
getting up and doing whatever. And in both cases, yeah, I think it was both. I think I changed and the job changed because one, the company okay. was sold. So it was a different company than where I started than where it was. So the, the company changed, the people in it changed, the situation, the whole thing, my whole situation, I was transferred to another office, like the whole situation changed. In the other one, everything stayed the same for the most part, but I had changed. Right. And so it was interesting to me to come to that point where, you know, I talked a lot about it with my wife and a lot about it with like my sisters of like, what am I going to do? And, you know, the situation and, and this and that, it, it was very revealing. So I, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, truth telling can be very emotionally draining too for the individual. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Right. And in creating those patterns for self-assessment, what type of impact emotionally does that have uh, both the individual and those closest to them. So that's the first part of the question. And the second part is, what is the difference between self-honesty and self-criticism? So I'll let you take them one at a time. Okay. So you, the first part was, what is the difference between, uh, can you say that again? Oh, sorry. The first part is uh, the emotional impact. What type of impact does that have being truth-telling for the individual and those around them? So I'll let you take that piece first. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's interesting, right? Because I think um, when my husband and I went through marriage counseling, our pastor made a joke that you are marrying the representative, you know, because you need yep. the person, you know, we put forward our best face and, you know, all the good things about us and we keep that under wraps and then you get married and all of those masks and things and bumps and bruises, they come out and they're there for your partner to see in all their glory. Um, and I think when an individual begins to start to honestly assess themselves and realize that they need to make some changes, sometimes that can cause upset in our personal relationships because you're shifting and changing as you become clear on, like, what your values are, what's important to you, that may not always, not so much align with your partner, but it might be unsettling for them because you're no longer showing up the way that you've always shown up, you know? Like, you may have said you like to eat pizza all these years, and really you don't. And that was your thing on Friday <laughs> that you did together as a couple. And so now that's upside down because you're telling the truth, right? So it's, it right. can be unsettling, but you have to be committed to do it. And it's scary to do because you don't want to hurt other people in being honest with how you feel. But, like, you can't really work through it if we're not being honest, whether that's good, bad, or ugly. So I think that's kind Good, of the bad, impact that it has on, yeah, indifferent. And you, the individual, it can cause like internal angst and stress because if up until that point you have not been honest about how you're feeling or what you're thinking, that can be kind of scary because you don't know if other people are going to be able to receive what it is you have to say or what you're choosing. And so then you have to, that learn is, how to kind uh, of navigate. 
Right. That makes a lot of sense, too. You know, you had mentioned that you're meeting their representative. Scott Krause was on the show as a guest, and we did a show on uh, the title was Being a Leader Instead of a Boss. And he was talking about hiring people and being in relationships with people. And he said, you don't meet the person. When you date someone, you meet their representative. And the first, you know, six months could be their representative. And then you meet the real person and they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You know, it's like an episode of Seinfeld. Um, You know, oh, my gosh, this person, you know, is totally not who I thought they were, you know, Um, because you meet that, you you know, they met their representative for all those first dates, you know, and, and, and in a job interview, you're meeting the representative. And then when you start working with them, you realize who they really are, you know. And then the second part of that question was, what is the difference between self-honesty and self-criticism? I had touched on that a little bit in the show open and felt that it was being talked about a lot in different psychological uh, materials mm-hmm. and magazines. Yeah. So I think self-honesty, at least in my view, is really when you are clear on what is of value to you. That's important. And so those things you tend to express in, I guess, positive terms, if you will, so, like, for example, my values are connection, belief, service, and community, and clarity, and choice. I've got a couple. But choice is my main one. Nice. And, and once I became clear on that piece, the choice part, it made everything else easier, right? So then I can ask myself, okay, is this in alignment with me being able to make a choice? And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But self-criticism is really like, oh, man, I can never make a choice, and I just I have so little faith. You're like beating yourself up because you don't see yourself moving forward. I think um, when you're really being honest with yourself, you're clear on what is important to you and what your next steps are, but you shouldn't add the piece of, being critical of yourself if you're not where you want to be as it relates to those values. That's excellent advice uh, to the listeners. You know, you have to be clear on that. I had a conversation actually a couple with uh, people recently um, and they were asking me about, you know, my own uh, situation. You know, I have a couple things going on between, you know, different obligations and I've talked about them on the show before. And and in this one circumstance, you know, what's your plan? What's, you know, your plan moving forward, like you had just touched on. And Mm -hmm. I don't have a plan. I've never really had a plan in my life. I just kind of trust in God's plan for me. And that's what I told them. I said, you know, I trust in God's plan for my life. And they're like, wow, that's really cool. Like do you just, and I'm like, I just surrender. And it makes it a lot better when you do something like that, because you don't have to worry about it. It's in God's hands. That's and right. Accepting that, you know, and moving yeah. forward. And that is a big component of what we'll be talking about the second half of our show. So since we had a couple minutes there, we were kind of uh, going back and forth. We're going to be at the point of the show. Now we're going to transition segments, but we're going to take our midpoint of the show break. So that will give you a chance for you to catch your breath a bit. Uh, get a glass of water or something. Uh, We'll be back in a second. Uh, We're a little bit beyond, but we're at 736 here. We are live here on Life Coach Radio Network and Undivided, episode 35, Telling the Truth to Heal Yourself. We'll be back in a moment. But first, uh, upcoming show promotion for you, Cordelia Gaffar. Cordelia Gaffar, the host. The series is Replenish Me. 
for Delia Gafar, Replenish Me, Wednesday night, December 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Life Coach Radio Network. As you know, if you've regularly listened to the show, Gordelia and I are opposite Wednesdays. I'm first and third. She's second and fourth. So we promote and cross-promote our shows a lot. Uh, Cordelia's last show was really interesting. If you haven't checked, please do. Check out the archives. And also make note that iTunes distributes both Cordelia's show and my show. Uh, so if you want to check it out on iTunes, if you're an Apple user, please do. Uh, Cordelia's had her show on for a little bit now. You know, it's been on a few months. I uh, had some very interesting guests. I always reference the Kim Fisk episode. That was really enlightening. Uh, but she's, all of them really are, and they have a certain pace to them. Uh, Gorilla Gafar, Replenish Me, Wednesday, December 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network. Speaking of replenishment and getting yourself right, being honest with yourself, and moving forward in a way that is positive. If you or someone you know is harboring some internal feelings that are very negative, if you or someone that you know is struggling, if you are really suffering and really hurting over a relationship or a job or a complicated issue in your life, maybe a financial problem, and you just can't go on and you're thinking about harming yourself, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. You matter. Every life is important. Every life is precious. Every life is created by God above with a plan, as we were just talking about. God has a plan. I know it may not sound like that now. It may not feel like that. I know you may, you may feel down and out. It gets better. Call the number, 800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And we've trying to raise some awareness on some other issues. I've been popping one or two in here as we go through. And uh, the uh, November was Alzheimer's Awareness Month. I know we're a little bit beyond. We're a week beyond. Uh, but we didn't have a show last week, you know, with uh, everything going on with the holidays and Thanksgiving and all that, and it wasn't my week. The Alzheimer's Foundation of America, the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, 866-232-8484. That's the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, 866-232-8484, or www.alz as in zebra, fdn as in nancy.org to reach out and donate to that trusted charity. Audible.com is our sponsor. We're back now. I'm going to open the phone lines. That number is 646-716-9397. Again, the number is 646-716-9397. You can email us at undividedshow, that's undividedshow, at gmail.com. I've been checking throughout the program. I've got an email question for later, so you'll be excited to hear that, Barika. And we're back. Barika's still with us. All right. I'm still here. Awesome. Excellent. Cool. So we go to the next segment of our show, which is called the Bridging the Divide segment. We've opened the phone lines. And now, so in the Divide segment, we identified a lot of things in regard to this topic, a lot of triggers. The Bridging the Divide is the segment where we try and piece all that together. So the first question being, how do we bridge the divide between those that feel that living in denial is an adequate coping mechanism. Because there are people out there that think that, whether they mm-hmm. know it, it's conscious or unconscious. Those who cannot take the emotional roller coaster associated with self-honesty. So there's people that, oh, this is too much for me. 
Those who feel that this type of introspection is unnecessary, the bunch of baloney people, mm-hmm. and those who are brutally honest with themselves to the point that it's actually self-defeating or negative. So it's a very big question. We can break it down. How do we bridge the divide between all those factions of people on this issue of self-honesty? Okay. So I heard you say that the question is around those living in denial, the people who think it's too much to take the emotional journey, um, those that think it's unnecessary, and then those that are brutally honest to the point of not really helping themselves move forward. So they're kind of staying in their head. Okay. Exactly. Um, I know it's a big question. Yeah, but it's common, right? Like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. I think people who are, have a desire for more um, in their lives or a better life or improvement or breaking patterns in their family, um, they definitely have to shake it up a little bit and be willing to move out of denial. Because I think all of us, depending on what area we look at, we live in denial because it's just easier, right? Like I always um, joke and say that people are the opposite at work. You know, like if you get people that are really like domineering and overbearing at work, my little theory is that at home they're not like that. So then they come to work as a way to assert themselves. I also think that um, denial is a way of protecting ourselves, right? Because when we live in denial, then we don't have to get to the root of why we're maybe having some of the challenges that we have in our life. And that kind of feeds into that whole concept of it being too much to process. Because I think it's a false idea that people think that if they start to peel back the covers and look at what's going on, that they are obligated to to then deal with it and solve for it right then and there. And I would hope that we could encourage people to know that if you pull back the covers and you look and it's kind of messy, it's okay to sit with that for a little bit rather than trying to fix it right away because there's no way for you to have all the answers. It's kind of little piece by little piece. You know, I think um, for myself, I've decided, okay, I'm going to start with, like, exploring what things I have an interest in. That was the first step. I wasn't really open to the idea of leaving a very stable career to go do something that I enjoyed doing. So I lived in denial because I thought there's no way that could happen. And then if I really started to look at the possibility of that happening, that was very scary and emotional, so I opted not to do that either. Um, And I, I can even look back at my life and see that I can distinctly remember going into college thinking psychology was like a waste of time and thinking, like, that is just people just sitting around talking about what happens in the brain, and that's just dumb and a waste of time. Little did I know that that would be the very thing that I could talk about all day long. And I wish I had explored that sooner, but I didn't know. Um, And then I think the last point you talked about was like being brutally honest. And I think I probably can fall into that category too because I can be very, very introspective to the point of being like paralyzed and wanting it to be perfect. Like knowing the areas that need to be improved, knowing what steps to take, but then overthinking those things. 
you know, and not giving myself any grace in knowing that it's a journey. It's not like a one and done. So I think if people kind of find themselves in each of those categories, that would be my my main advice, to give yourself self-grace. Even if you've spent a lot of time living in denial, like I said before, at any given point, you can make a different choice. You can choose to no longer be in denial. You can choose to tell the truth about how you're feeling or what you want to do with your life. And someone gave me advice one time that it is not our responsibility to manage how someone else feels about you telling the truth. You kind of manage your own little yard. You're the only one that's responsible for what goes on in your yard. You can't go over and trim someone else's yard. That's not your job. So that's my little spiel. I like that. No, that was a a great answer to a complex question that I kind of hit you with. And and I I think it speaks to a number of things, but I think it speaks to um, uh, one of the things I touched on earlier in the open was, you know, it's countercultural. And Mm -hmm. and you had touched on that too. Like it's against how we're hardwired. You know, we want to fix everything, you know, um, Our society, Americans, we want to, you know, oh, just get it handled, get it done. I'm going to pull back the covers. Wow, this is a mess. I need to jump right in and do this without taking that step back and saying to myself, well, maybe if I jump in with both feet, I'm going to make it worse. It becomes this, I've got to handle this, and I almost, I don't want to know how bad it is, so that I'm not going to deal with it, which makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And it creates this, you know, almost like a negative feedback loop. It's just, it keeps going around and around and around. And it is, it's, it's okay. And that's where I think, you know, there's a number of different aspects of psychology and coaching too, that say, you know, it's all right. If we've got to take this, you know, one tiny step at a time, you know, it's, it's okay to, to do that. We don't have to solve everything overnight. It's not, you know, right. we're not on a deadline. You know, it's, yeah. um, and being responsible for that, that's that, res- that personal responsibility rather than saying, well, mm-hmm. it's someone else's fault. You know, we know a lot of people that say, right. oh, well, I did this because so-and-so did this and that made me, you know, you know, upset and I did whatever. It's always someone else did this that caused them to take an action, not, well, I should have done something maybe differently or better. Uh, right. What conditions are needed to bring truth telling into a relationship so like as you had said before mm-hmm. going for pizza on a friday night and the other person doesn't like pizza that's a that's a pretty good <laughs> example of you know lowest common denominator kind of stuff but it's true or you know going to uh an opera or a concert when you're not really into the type of music that it's in you know but you don't tell the other person you act like everything's great so whether that's a strong yeah. friendship whether it's a collegial relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, what conditions are needed there? I think, I mean, I think, again, it's that squeeze, the pressure, right? Like, and it could be even mm-hmm. in a relationship, you're just, you fall into a routine where everything is the same every single day. And you get to a point where you're like, okay, this is boring. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to live my life like that. I think the real challenge is that, most of us can say what we don't like, right? But it's much harder to really start to articulate what it is that we want. Because
because that's a little different than saying, I don't like when you don't put your shoes away. I don't like when you don't put the pots away. You know, like when you can really get to the emotion of what you want to feel and create, that takes a little more work. And I think that's more scary because it's easy to do those external things, pots, shoes, I don't know, staying on the Internet all night. You know, like that's easier than saying I really want to be connected to you and this is what that might look like for me. Because then at that point, the other person gets to make a choice, like do they want to do that or not? And again, I think that is where that drawing the boundary of knowing what you're responsible for. It is not your responsibility to take on whether or not that person wants to do that or not. And it's not a personal affront to you if they say, yeah, you know, I don't really like pizza, so no. That's where you get to be creative and start to really try to find that common ground. And I think that goes back to what you said, like it's too much for people to try to figure that out. So they either just think it's dumb or live in denial like it's fine. That's true. Yeah, I think we all, like you said, you know, you know what you don't like, but there's no one really asks you what you want or what you like. You know, it's it's always about, and you kind of get stuck in the, I think it's part of the human condition, you get stuck in the minutia of the day-to-day. Uh, yeah. I talked a lot about it on the show. You know, my grandfather used to say, you know, the problem with people isn't that they're not good people. It's that everyone's stuck in the six inches in front of their windshield. And that's true. You know, you're, you're in that space, you're kind of in your own lane. um, And you're, you get used to things, you know, if we're routine driven, as I mentioned before, you know, the whole robots thing kind of make it, made a joke about it, but it can be true. And your circumstances of your life, you don't really see a way that it's going to change that can create a lot of apathy, you know, in a relationship, uh, putting it, you know, diplomatically, uh, that if you're not telling the truth about, you know, Hey, you know, this is not how I envisioned, you know, my situation to be, um, you know, I didn't think that, you know, we were going to be doing, you know, X, you know, every weekend, let's put it like that. I thought we were going to be, you know, changing it up a little bit here. Um, yep. So then it becomes you know, that really that like, come to the mountain kind of conversation where you have to kind of diagnose, hopefully, if it's a strong relationship and a uh, very open one that you can then honestly talk about, well, you know, mm-hmm. this is what I, I need to, to, to move forward. So good segue to the next question. Uh, how can self-honesty promote changes that lead to self-improvement? How can self-honesty promote changes to self-improvement? Well, I think when you are able to really step outside of yourself and look at how you're showing up, you can then make a choice to do it differently. And I keep going back to my career. Um, I definitely think I had fallen into a rut where I just, did not really enjoy what I was doing and didn't feel very appreciated. I was very much in a apathy victim kind of place. Um, 
but when I recognize that that was my pattern, when I'm stressed or feel like my hands are tied, that's where I go. I'm not one to, like, do angry outbursts. I just kind of go into, oh, there's no point in trying. Um, and when I realized I was falling into that place, I decided, you know, but that's not really who I am, and that's not how I want to show up. So then as I transitioned out of my job and went out independently doing the same work, but who I am is totally different, completely different in how I'm showing up because I'm clear about the value that I bring to the table, and I'm no longer trying to shift into the expectations that I felt my previous role was expecting of me you know, to be, like, very straight-laced, analytical, non-emotion, like, all of these things that went against everything um, in the way that I was created. And so once I had time to think about, wait a minute, these are the things that are important to me and these are the kind of opportunities I'm going to look for, then things kind of lined up and I feel like I'm able to show up in a more authentic way. So I think that as people really take the time to, be, to get honest with themselves about what matters most to them, you can then start to filter every choice, every day, through those values again. Like what is important to you? What is important to you? I want to always have a choice. And I can do that kind of working for myself rather than working for someone else. And there's a whole lot of stuff I don't have to do now because I work for myself. And I love that. And I think anybody can do the same thing. And that is not to say that making those kind of shifts are easy, but it can be done. It can be done. And it doesn't really matter what kind of role you're in. Anyone can make a decision to be like, you know what, I'm not going to do it this way anymore and go in a different direction. Yes, it's true. We have Mark Fechner on the unemployment show. He's a you know independent contractor, an entrepreneur, and coach. And he was talking about there's you know two sides to that. Like working for yourself is great. Not everyone can do it. Uh, mm-hmm. There are things, adjustments you have to make because there is something to be said for if you're working for someone else or if you're working for a, a big corporation or. A, uh, a medium-sized corporation, the structure of the 40-hour week and mm-hmm. some of the, the business rhythms, if you will, are very comforting versus when you're out doing your, you know, your own thing as an op- entrepreneur, the freedom you know, can be overwhelming to people. Um, yeah. So that's a very uh, yeah. you know, big distinction. You know, there, there, there's no structure, and it's like, ah! And for other people, they thrive in that kind of environment, you know, as, as you shared. Uh, so, you know, well, that it all, all it, goes back to that. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say it made me think about that some you talked about what are the conditions. I know for me that becoming an entrepreneur, like, uh, full-time, re- I had to do some self-development work because there's a whole lot of mindset work that goes into actually being able to put yourself out there and articulate the kind of work that you would like to do, the people you would like to work with, you have to kind of work through your stuff to be able to say that in a way that's confident and you're not really making apologies for who you are and let the chips kind of fall where they may. Um, And I definitely think my perspective has shifted 
in terms of what I think previous bosses and things were asking of me. I get it now. Like when you're responsible for everybody's, you know, paychecks and health benefits and all these things, there's a reason they're asking people to step up and volunteer to do stuff and because they need help. <laughs> they need help. And it's just a different side of things. And I think that's a piece that as people become introspective, I hope that they build in like an empathy workout or something where you can actually literally put yourself in someone else's shoes and see things from their perspective, not just being so introspective that you can only see your point of view. It's an important distinction to make, um, a very important distinction to make. And some people have to really look within themselves and take time before they can go out there on their own, you know, starting a business and whatnot because of, you know, what we would call our inner critic or a gremlin when mm-hmm. you talk about coaching, mm-hmm. that that's going to be screaming. And I remember, and I've shared it on this show before, and when I started my uh, freelance writing business, it was on uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Day, excuse me, and I thought to myself when I went to hit live on the webpage, you know, well, he went through so much, I could do this, you know. Uh, this mm-hmm. is this is nothing um, compared to what he faced and, and the challenges that, that were on his plate. And I hit, you know, the publish button. Sending in a, a mm-hmm. book to be published, you're freaking out, you know. But, yeah. you know, you say yeah. to yourself, you know. Um, the second time around, I said, you know, I'm confident in this. I've worked on it for a while. I've, you know, edited and, and polished, and it's, it feels good and it feels like it's ready to go and it's not as new and it's not as overwhelming. So with those experiences, it, it becomes a little more comforting and, and unique um, in its own way. Uh, we talk about showing up. What role do energy levels and energetic presentation play uh, to contribute to self-honesty? Well, I think that was huge. I mean, I went through the IPEC program and we do the um, energy leadership assessment, which really shows you how you're showing up under stress and under normal circumstances. And that was really life-changing for me. I mean, I think I probably kind of knew that I went to victim mode apathy, but I just didn't realize how much. So now that I have that awareness, I pay attention to it a lot more. And I know what the triggers, I'm learning what some of the triggers are that send me to that space of being like, oh, it's pointless. Why even bother? It'll never get better. I can never do it. Um, And paying attention to that and really working to try to figure out what the win-win solution might be. I also have a, I don't know, a gift and a curse with being able to rationalize just about anything. So I can... Uh, make excuses with the best of them, not only for myself, but for other people. And so that's kind of, you know, a balance that I'm learning to, to try to manage a little bit. But the definitely the, the seven levels of energy and leadership really helped me to kind of give a framework to see how we all are on this continuum kind of going between the different levels throughout our day. Um, and just starting to really pay attention to what things trigger me and making a choice. Do I really want to be angry right now? Maybe not. 
Um, so, yeah, it's been really helpful for me. I came into uh, work on Monday at my full-time job, and mm-hmm. I was flying. I was so energized. I was so enthused, and, you know, here I had worked on Sunday there, and I was back on Monday morning, and I'm, you know, revved up and ready to go and flying around and bouncing around the walls and getting other people, you know, revved up and and, uh, shifting, you know, in an anabolic way into we're going to do this and we're going to do that today and, you know, getting people, you know, prepared for the day ahead and the work that we had to do. And then I got some news on the personal side two hours into my day. And I recognized that it totally changed my energetic presentation Mm -hmm. and it took Mm -hmm. my energy level. And I went to, uh, you know, why is this happening to me today at victim mode? Right. And, you know, then I was really frustrated and angry. And then I was so level two about the whole thing. Oh, you know, I can't believe I have to deal with this. And I've got like all this other stuff going on. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, you know what? I've got to, you know, snap myself out of this, use what I learned and shift myself to a way that I'm going to, you know, get through this day in a way that's going to be powerful and positive to other people. So I saw it in myself, like you said, you, you start to recognize those, those triggers in the energy. And it's yeah. very interesting and, and very revealing you know, to be that self-honest. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how quickly uh, you can find yourself in a panic. At least that's where I tend to go. I think Monday must have been the day. It was a similar situation for me. I, I did know at least to, to stop long enough to be like, okay, what am I – feeling. I know I snapped at a family member and I apologized to her for that, but I realized it was because I was like really afraid. And so then I said, okay, now that I know that I'm afraid, what am I going to do with that? For me, that's praying, still very um, anxious. So I asked my coach, like, what do you do when you're like trying to move forward and then all of a sudden everything blows up? Like, how do you maintain momentum? I know how I've typically handed that, handle that, I'll just be like, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Let me just roll over and die. Um, but I also know now that as we're moving closer to our goals and the things that we want to do to better align with our values, anything that is not like that particular value or, or goal, it kind of comes up to be healed or, you know, pushed out of the way. So I knew that was kind of what was going on with me, and I knew I had to make some very different choices from the way that I would typically handle those things. So I kind of gave myself some time, and the coach, she suggested, like, pay attention to where your energy is going. Are you spending a lot of time in the future about what could happen and going down the rabbit hole of all the awful things, or are you spending energy looking in the past about what you could have done differently. And she said that, like, when you are aware of where your energy is going, whether that's to the future or the past, you can then make a choice to say, okay, let me bring that energy back into myself. And the question is, okay, what can I do about this particular situation right now? 
Is there anything that I can do? Where should I focus my energy? And that was, like, amazing for me because I definitely go down the worst-case scenario. <laughs> and, it, and it gave me time to think about it. There was nothing I could do about the particular situation. I had to just pause and, and bring it back in and focus at that moment on doing my work for the day. It was not time for me to go down the rabbit hole and focus on the personal thing that had kind of distracted me that day. It's one foot in front of the other, you know, and that's a good segue to the role of coaching, but we do have a call. So I'm going to get the caller up here. Thank you for okay. the answer for the caller for waiting. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you from? And what's your question or comment? And if you could turn down your speakers, if you're listening to us live, please. I, I just came across your show. I was uh, listening. Very good information coming forth. I'm a global visionary. My name is Hugh. I'm calling from Ashland, Virginia. I've had quite a bizarre life and uh, bringing forth new strategies that will help people uh, become more spiritual and caring and sharing with each other. That's what life really should be all about. There's too much focus on greed in the material world and corruption has been the biggest problem since the beginning for mankind. Thank you for sharing. Did you have a question or uh, for Barika or myself? Well, I was uh, just listening, but I did want to ask if you might take an interest, and you can call me to learn more if I can provide a Twitter post. I wanted to see if you might share in uh, promoting uh, I Love America Day for December 12th between Thanksgiving and Christmas to tamp down the chaos and have people be more reflective and take personal responsibility and uh, come into the communities with respect, with solutions that can be helpful to everyone instead of arguing and fighting. Nobody ever wins an argument. That's it. Thank you. You yeah, uh, send me an email at undivided show, undivided com. And thank you so much for the call. And thank you so much for listening. Bariki, you still with me? I'm still here. Cool. Uh, and thank you for the call, you, and uh, send that information over to me and we'll see what we can do about that. I like the concept of the um, I Love America Day. As you know, I did a show in America for July 4th. And thank you again to, for listening and for taking an active interest in calling. Great segue to the role of coaching. You know, as uh, this show is all about, uh, Life Coach Radio Network is all about coaching. What is the role of coaching and truth-telling or self-honesty and how does it provide conditions for healing the client? Oh, wow. I could go on about this all day. Um, I think coaching really provides a space for to talk about what's going on with them and to give voice to what it is they want. I think a really powerful coach is able to intuitively tap into what's not being said and ask clarifying questions um, to help people see really what the possibilities are and maybe uncover what it is they really want, you know, because a lot of times when you're coaching, people are giving you their, their story, and it's never really about the story. It's about what's underneath, and sometimes you can just ask the right question and it's like a light bulb goes off and people are like, whoa, 
I didn't even know that was there. And so, again, it's a, a wonderful way and a safe way to facilitate healing. I, the thing I love about coaching is that most of the time the thing that people come for is not what they leave with. So I've had people come wanting help to write a resume, and that they got that, but they weren't able to kind of check that part off until they did some of the underlying self-reflection, introspection work to see kind of how over their life some things have been built up there that were no longer serving them and to make a choice to put in new things that would help them shift and redirect and go in the direction that they desire. I agree with that you know, sentiment a lot and, and sharing you know, really briefly, uh, so no we're we're at 809 right now, but we did have the call and we had some other things. Uh, you know, someone once said to me, I was having my own kind of hangups, so talking about self-honesty, with, um, you know, some of the people that I knew, uh, more like on the acquaintance level and some people more in like an ancillary role in my life, if you can kind of get where mm-hmm. I'm going. But there was uh-huh. kind of that uh, feeling, that sentiment that I was getting that, that oh well you know life coaching is is a, a bunch of baloney basically is uh, yeah. you know is a bunch of bunk and I had my own hangups about saying that I was a life coach because I was thinking that everyone was going to think that it was a bunch of fooey and I right. knew the experience <laughs> that I had with it right and somebody yep. said to me at that point you know you can put yourself out there as a writing coach. You, you know, the writing of the resume is a perfect example. You could put yourself out there as a writing coach, which initially that's what, what I was doing. You could put yourself out there as this type of coach, a uh, small business coach or whatever. You're going to touch every branch on the tree. And I like that analogy. You know, people are going to come into you for a resume or a cover letter. You're going to end up talking about their family. You're going to get, end right. up talking about their relationships or their romantic relationship. And you wouldn't think you would, but you did. So you end up yep. life coaching invariably, whether they think they just need help with writing a resume or yeah. job, job interview skills, you end up talking about a little sort of crap. You end up spending, you know, time talking about things that are really important where the surface thing is the resume. You end up yeah. spending 45 minutes talking about the person's mother, you know? Yeah. So it really does. You really and how do what end you up hitting said really impacted why you don't move forward on doing your work or whatever. You know, like it's very interesting when you get to the root of why we get in our own way. Yeah, you can say to them, well, this is, you know, then you help them understand and the light bulb goes off, the light bulb moment, and they say, wow, this is why I'm stuck. Yep. You know, this is, this yep. is why I yep. have the problems that I have. And that's where yep. coaching helps you know, for you to look within yourself, we talk a lot about values and we talked about it on this show. We've talked about it on other shows, the values assessment that we provide to a client. Uh, how does this work? We've talked a lot about work. How does it work align with your values? How does this relationship align with your values? And there's a lot yeah. of self-honesty that has to take place mm-hmm. in that process. The yep. email question that I wanted to get to from before, before I forget, I have it circled here in my notes, 
because I checked the emails before. The email question ties into this, so I know we've had a couple of extra questions, and I appreciate you staying on. Um, why is it so important for people to experience healing? Why is it so important for people to experience healing? And thank you to the listener for taking the time to email in a question. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, I think that um, hurt people hurt people, right? So mm-hmm. if you're walking around wounded, mm-hmm. you then in turn have the ability to wound other people, either in the same way or worse, you know, like – that's typically when I look at the world, when people are mean, I'm like, okay, well, what's really going on there? What what happened to you that makes you feel that you have to respond in that way or show up in that manner? Most of the time it's some sort of wound that has not been fully healed. And that goes back to being aware that, like, some of our patterns are really – driven by our effort to not become injured or wounded again. So we have this ugly little pattern and cycle going on until we decide, no, I think I want to be whole and enjoy my life, you know, not be a walking wounded. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do it, you're going to hurt somebody. Yeah. Exactly. And you're, you're, there's repercussions to that that you may not even foresee. And yeah. you're know, talking a lot tonight about God, about the spiritual connection. Uh, I've shared quite often on this show, my Roman Catholic roots are basically out there, but the spiritual side of it for me, that healing that comes from being honest with myself comes at confession. And when I go to confession as a, as a Catholic, and confess my uh, hang-ups, my sins. It doesn't necessarily have to be sins. It could be things that are bothering me that maybe mm-hmm. I haven't even taken action on yet. Uh, thoughts I wish I may, you know, wish I didn't have. That spiritual connection of that cleansing, that healing, that that weight that is lifted when, you know, in, the, in our belief system, you know, we are are free of that sin because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And we are free from that sin because he died for you and for me on Calvary Hill and released us from the burden of those sins. And I walk out of the confessional, like walking on air. Of course, I'm always a big Frady cat before I go in. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do this today. Or (laughs) I I even one time put on a British accent for the priest and he knew me and he told me, you know, that's um, funny. <laughs> you know, Frank, he's on the other side of the screen. Frank, kind of come off of it with that, you know. Um, get, get out of here with that, you know. Um, because I don't want him to know, you know. So it's so typically, you know, Catholic. But it's uh, it's funny. But having that feeling of you can come with whatever you've done and you'll be forgiven is such a powerful thing. I still can't wrap around my head around the mercy of God to be able to do something like that. The love that he has, you know, for you and for me and for all of us. So I hope the listeners out there get something from, you know, Barika shared, you know, you shared earlier, the spiritual connection. Um, Yeah, for sure. God, God's plan for our life. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, God's plan for our life, and I think that we can really be instruments of mercy and peace for other people when we take the time to do the work. You know, you can be the light in a dark situation when you take the time to be honest about where you are. You never know what your struggles or your wounds, how that can help someone else. But you can't really reveal those things until you've done the work to try to heal it yourself. Because when, you, when you're willing to be introspective and look at those wounds and be honest about that, that takes the shame, the fear, and the embarrassment out of it. And then you can walk, you know, in all of your glory and share with the world and provide healing to other people by walking in your authentic self, the good, the bad, and the ugly and not walk in shame around choices or, or life circumstances because you've done the work and kind of come to a place of peace with who you were, who you are created to be, and who you are today and who you're growing into being. Amen. <laughs> we're at the point now. Yeah, we're at the point of the end of our program, the Common Ground segment's our last segment. How do we achieve common ground between people who believe that truth-telling or introspection excuse me, is nonsense? Those that believe in the benefits that it does provide, they've had a great experience like you and I have, and those who are afraid to go outside of their comfort zone by facing those harsh realities about themselves, again, the lifting up of the covers. How do we achieve common ground between those people for us all to live in harmony? I think the best way to do that is through um, example, right? Like if you're committed to doing the work, I think that that becomes very attractive to people in terms of like the joy that you have, right? Because if you're, healing and getting better and growing and developing, that is infectious and people pick up on that. They pick up on it. Like I had a coworker today, and this is not bragging, but he said, you just always seem so happy and you do a great job smiling. But I think it's directly related to some of that self-reflection and introspection that I've spent like probably the last two to three years doing and being intentional about how I'm showing up and being grateful in every circumstance and trying to find the good, you know, really working to do that. But in order to be able to show up in that way, it requires you to do some uncovering and be honest with yourself and realize that most of what you're complaining about has nothing to do with anybody else and everything to do with you. It has nothing to do with anybody else, everything to do with you. And when you realize that, you're like, oh, crap. I really am responsible. (laughs) (laughs) Their attitude has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with me. Everything to do with how they're feeling, and I can choose to take that on or not. I choose not to. Life is, you know, too short. My grandma told me once, she said, she learned a long time ago that she was not going to allow my grandfather to steal her joy. And I was like, that is some wisdom. Yeah, because he could get grumpy, you know, and then, like, wreck the mood of the whole family. And she's like, I'm not doing that. Wow. 
fail. I like yeah. I said before, that don't don't let their issues become your issues. Don't let other people's yeah. trauma become yours. You know. Yep. Uh, know where it comes from and kind of just drive on, uh, yep. so to speak. Well, thank you, Barika. Can you share with the audience how to find you and anything you may have going on, upcoming events, uh, anything you may want to share, contact information, that sort of thing? Sure. Sure. So um, I can be found on Facebook at Barika Porter. I guess it's facebook.com slash Barika Porter. I'm also on LinkedIn under the same name. Um, I have a website, successfulbloom.com, and on there you can book um, initial consults to see if maybe working together in a coaching relationship might be a good fit for us. And then I uh, do speaking engagements from time to time. I do vision board workshops, which I love to do. Um, my goal for this year is to do them quarterly. I did the first one last June with a group of ladies, and it was wonderful. I'm targeting doing the next session in February. I think I do some of that values work in that session to help people understand what their values are and then help them craft kind of their ideal life and then actually cut out pictures and put it on a board. It's great. And so... Um, those are just some of the ways that you can work with me. I really love just helping people remember that they have a choice in their life and that today is a, as good a day as any to choose to do something different. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us, and thank you for joining the conversation and Undivided for staying an extra few minutes. I really appreciate it. Okay. I know we got a little sidetracked earlier. Uh, thank you for staying on, for making a really powerful show. So I, I really appreciate your time and preparation uh, for doing this. Thank you. I'm so glad I got to do this. It was really nice working with you. I enjoyed it. I hope we'll keep the dialogue going. I think this is a great program that you have here. So. Uh, thank you so much. Very kind of you. So now you can uh, choose. You can hang up if you'd like or, or disconnect or you can stay on. i got to do a couple of things and then wrap up the show for the evening as we're getting short on time. Uh, but it okay. was a great conversation, so I wanted to keep it rolling. Uh, so a couple of things uh, to kind of tie up here before we sign off. Uh, again, Erica, we are late show Monday, December 10th, 1130 a.m. Eastern Time on Life Coach Chat Channel. Gordelia Gafar, Replenish Me, Wednesday, December 12th. 7 p.m. That's a week from tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's a live show on Life Coach Radio Network. Sisters of the Diaspora, Thursday night. Sisters of the Diaspora, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Trina Ramsey and the gals coming at you with some brand new episodes. Check the archives, too, uh, and the website for more information. And then Holy Shift, Holy Shift, like a shift of energy, a shift of a car. Barb Heenan, Leslie Pachotti, Holy Shift, Wednesday, December 19th. That's two weeks from today, 8 a.m. Central. That's 9 a.m. in the East. They're a morning show on Life Coach Radio Network and a great segue to my next show because they're always on in the morning, every first and third Wednesday. I'm on in the evening. My next show, episode 36 of Undivided Wednesday, December 19th. It'll be a solo show, yours truly, on for Christmas. The Christmas show, if you remember, we did one last year about the different religions Christmas Faith, Hope, and Charity, Episode 36. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. Audible.com is our sponsor. 
www.salvationarmyus.org. Food for the Poor is www.foodforthepoor.org or 800-427-9104. www.samaritanspurse.org. And then MAP International, www.mapmap.org, 800-225-8550 to reach that wonderful charitable organization. So again, acknowledge the good and the bad and the ugly. Take time to reflect. Admit your mistakes. Be mindful of your feelings. Don't jump in with both feet. Don't over-criticize. Be honest with yourself, but not harsh. Understand your limitations and respect them and take time to be self-honest. Don't put a time limit on it. Those are some of the takeaways from tonight's conversation that I hope will benefit you all. You know, be responsible for your truth. Be authentic in how you show up. Don't overanalyze. And when you pull back the covers, allow yourself some time. Allow yourself some time to work on those issues, not just jump into fix-it mode. Take a step back, and that's how you experience healing. And that's how you'll live truly undivided. I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. I can be reached on my website, frankjmaduricoaching.com. I can also be reached on Twitter at F. Maduri. If you, our caller, would like to do that, he can. That's at F. Maduri. I'm also on Facebook myself, Frank Chamberlain Professional Coaching. Just search that. And my book is available on Amazon. Uh, if you go to Amazon and Google search Frank Maduri, it will come up. I have two books actually on there. Reflections of the Passion, A Modern Guide to the Stations of the Cross. So I will see you guys again in a couple of weeks. We'll do our Christmas show. We have one show left in 2018. I can't believe it. We're already planning the shows for 2019. And as fall turns to winter, just be mindful of the healing that can take place if you're honest with yourself. So for Russ Terry, for Trina Ramsey, for Danico Treble, and for everyone here at the Life Coach Radio Network, I thank my audience and my listeners from the bottom of my heart. I thank you, Barika Porter, for sharing your wonderful insights this evening. I thank Audible.com, our sponsor. And until I see you guys again in a couple of weeks, as always, be blessed and be well.